Talk That Matters, brought to you by the Salvation Army. It's amazing how much many of us don't know about our country's history or about our neighbours. To thirst for knowledge is a good thing. Knowledge about our country, our history, our neighbouring countries, their way of life. This month, 68 years ago in 1942, New Guinea almost came under Japanese rule. The Battle of the Coral Sea. Japanese invasion fleet departed from Rabul for Port Moresby. It was the largest naval battle ever fought by the Aussies, so close to home. With help from Americans and native New Guineans, we fought off the Japanese and New Guinea avoided coming under Japanese authority and rule. Fran Fleming was a nurse amongst expats and missionaries in New Guinea in the late 1960s and remembers her first impressions of Port Moresby in the 60s. First thing was when I got off the plane, because I'd lived in the Blue Mountains and I got off the plane in Port Moresby and I felt like I was walking into an oven. Well, I lived in the highlands up at a place called Onamuga. The hospital, or the house sick as you call it, was made out of pit pit, the bamboo walls with like the thatched grass roof. Had about six big plaited bamboo platforms in there, which were the beds. And depending how many patients you had, how many people were on the beds. And I was it, I was the only nurse. So we would have inpatients at the house sick and I would go out and do clinics, baby health clinics, mainly out in the villages around. And so I was it for thousands of people so far as medical help was concerned. I never felt unsafe, never felt insecure at all. And what it was like when both her and her husband returned to work there for six months recently. But it was also under Australian rule when I was up there before. And you will find people, both expats and locals, that will very quickly tell you it was better. Lots of locals will tell you it was better when Australia was here and um, when the police were there or the military were there as well. And, uh, for instance, Ley. They call Ley now Pothole City, but it used to be called the Garden City. You know, it's, it's a whole different place. I think just Port Moresby itself has become a more dangerous place. Um, we would go out to the supermarket every week to do our shopping, and when we first went there, we would go to the local fruit and vegetable market. Alan felt somebody's hand about to go in his pocket and uh, grabbed them. And uh, if he'd hung on to them, I think he would have been in trouble. But some of the people around, and I mean, this is all nationals we're talking about, said, let him go. And Alan felt they were saying that for his own safety. The risks of being taken down, you know, for your money or your watch or even your car are quite real. Mm. You'd think cannibalism was a gruesome lifestyle from the past, but there have been several media reports of people in the West practising cannibalism in the last 20 years like Armin Muse from Germany, Jeffrey Damer from Milwaukee, US, and it's still alive in some remote villages in New Guinea as well. Um, when I was in the highlands, they would talk about the villages over, you know, a few hills away from us, where cannibalism still happened. And I've read little bits in the paper that there are still places. What was Alan's first impression of Port Moresby, his first trip a few years ago? Probably uh, all the people, people everywhere. Um, on the street corners, in parks, just people sitting around, hanging around, uh, doing nothing, I suppose. But well, we lived in the Salvation Aid compound in Barocco, and um, they had razor wire fence, probably the fence would be about 8 to 10 feet high, with razor wire around the edge, and uh, on security guards on both the uh, living area, the residential area, and also on the headquarters side. 
they didn't carry guns or anything like that, obviously, but they, they were there to let people in, the desirables in, and keep the undesirables, I suppose, out. Uh, I, I think essentially most people would could, could quite easily live in Port Moresby without any anything ever happening to them, which is thank, thankfully what happened with us. Uh, but there are the occasions when people are held up with at knife point or at gun point. Yeah, well, the lady who was who was uh, went across the the road at Barocco, which is only a hundred metres across the shopping centre there. And as she was walking through, she's a very tall lady, probably stands close to six feet tall in the old terms, and. Uh, Somebody put a knife to her throat and demanded her purse, which she handed over, then demanded her watch, and uh, she came back quite shaken. The, they say when you go to Papua New Guinea, you don't go through the middle of crowds. You actually walk around. Um, the guy who was there before us, um, he was going to a football match. They're crazy about uh, rugby league up there. And he was held up at uh, gunpoint and had to hand his wallet over. Uh, I think he was walking across um, essentially what would be kind of a park area. Then the commissioner too, the territorial commander, had his car taken off him at a set of lights at gunpoint and ordered out of the car. They took the car and his computer and the keys of the whole establishment, everything went, went with the car. Alan, in contrast, lived in Japan for two years and never felt frightened once. No, I, I don't think we ever felt frightened in Japan, even walking down dark streets or at night time. Um, it seemed that uh, it was much more civilised. Well, it probably is far more civilised. Much of Papua New Guinea has, has, has been remained as villages out in, uh, in the, the wilds of Papua New Guinea and tribal groupings, and I suppose that um, hasn't broken down yet into a more civilised society. But with a lot of people out of work, this is what can happen. Unemployment at 80%, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why, of course, there are there is theft and people being held up. There's no uh, social security, no welfare payments or anything like that, so consequently people are hungry and people are, w are wanting a better life. And when it came to some of the police in areas of New Guinea... Well, <clears throat> don't know, don't know whether I don't know whether you can always trust the police anyway. Um, police sometimes serve their own self-interests. Um, in Quickkeela, um, there was a bank robbery just a matter of, uh, I suppose, weeks ago now. They went in and uh, robbed the bank, and uh, the reason why they were able, able to do that, which was right across the road from the police station, by the way, was because the police had all um, gone home or gone to do their own thing, uh, and no one was around. And actually, as they drove off, um, one policeman came out, and they just waved to him and said something to him as they drove off. Yeah, that's right, then. That's, that's right. The villagers then in Quickkeela... Who, whose money, some of whom had, had money invested in that bank, came and beat up the policeman then because he wasn't policing properly. It's a fascinating place to be. But what I sensed when I was doing this story was an overwhelming love that God has for these people. People are very friendly people. They're, they're, they're very open, uh, very easy to get to know. Um, they speak very readily to you and hold a conversation with you very happily. Some lovely, lovely people. Um, and, and it's a very beautiful country. The trouble is because roadways are, are fairly poorly constructed and because of the high rainfall, it's not easy to get around the country. So people who go to visit Papua New Guinea could be stuck in Port Moresby and not get out of there uh, very easily. And also, of course, there's a lot of wrecks, um, war wrecks, uh, out, out in the ocean surrounding the area, which make ideal place for divers to go to. So I think it's got a lot going for it. And the, mount, the, high, the high mountains are beautiful mountains, beautiful scenery. It's got a, a lot going for it if they can only uh, stop corruption. It's been a long...
Others have schools and health centres, water sanitation projects, fair price for coffee programs for village growers, feeding the poor, churches and training centres in various areas of New Guinea, which is where Fran and Alan Fleming worked for six months recently. I mean, I've just bought yesterday a set of World Book encyclopedias to send up to the high school because they haven't got any up-to-date reference books. Really, they don't have the opportunity to have what we've got here. We have so much. So how should we respond to what we know now? I think I would just say, at times, think about Papua New Guinea, just to pray for it. If you have a heart for our neighbours in New Guinea and would like to volunteer to work there or maybe just donate to the ongoing help with the locals, go to png.salvationarmy.org. More than 80 families are currently taking refuge in the Salvos Hall in Wewak after flooding there, so they certainly appreciate any help we can give. I love the verse in the book of Proverbs that says, Happy is the generous man, the one who feeds the poor. A change gonna come Yes, it will.